thank you, Tom and Kelly and Heather, for playing. Good morning. My name is Mike Gary. I am the pastor here at Communitas Church, and Communitas exists to be a church who uh, people who love God, who love people, who walk in grace, who grow in faith, and they do that by gathering in groups to explore their gifts and generously use those gifts to serve in and around the Brainerd Lakes area to build disciples who love God and love people, who walk in grace, who grow in faith, who gather in groups to explore their gifts and generously use those gifts to serve in and around the Brainerd Lakes area to make more disciples and so on and so forth. So we, we have gathered together this morning and, and we worshiped in a number of different ways. And I was reflecting, uh, yesterday I was, I was able to sit out, I was at my parents' house, Megan and I had gone down, a friend of ours uh, had a 12-hour layover, and he said, hey, do you want to hang out? We said, sure, we're going to be in town anyway. And so we're sitting on my parents', um, my parents deck, and we're, we're eating dinner, and, um, and, and he's a friend of ours from, from seminary, and, uh, and we were just reflecting on, on, you know, he lived a couple doors down from us, and right across the way there was this, another good friend of ours, and we were saying, man, it would be fun to just be able to hang out more often. And, uh, and we were kind of reflecting on all the fun that we had, but then we also said, but, but that, that was just, it was a time, and, and that as a result of the fact that we don't live there anymore, now Brian is able to go train missionaries to go throughout the world, and the, the friend that lived across the hall from us, Nathan, now is able to travel around and, and speak at different college campuses and tell people about Christ, and as a result, Megan and I were able to move here, and now we're all able to be with one another. And so while it seemed at the time that that gathering was kind of the apex, like it just couldn't get any better, we all reflected on how it just got better. And so when we gather here today, this is, this is a good time, and it should, could, should speak to us about, about who we are and, and how we're supposed to live our lives and who God is and, and what He's done for us and what He's trying to do in and through us. But the real work and the real joy comes not only in, in the gathering, but also in the scattering. When we come to acknowledge who the Lord is, but also when we scatter to go spread the word of God, and proclaim the gospel to those who are not here, who don't get to hear it all the time. And so we worship through gathering. We also worship through singing, uh, through singing songs about who God is and, and what he's done. We've also worshiped through the giving of tithes and offerings. In a little while, we'll worship through listening to the proclamation of God's word. Before we do that, we're going to worship through communion. And communion is a, is a special meal. It isn't a, a big meal, but it's a sacred meal. And it's practiced by all the Christian churches throughout the world. And so when we do this and we join together, we join in what God is doing, not only throughout the city, throughout the county, the state, but throughout the world and throughout time. We join with saints both past and present and future in what God is doing in the overarching narrative of time. We're part of something so much larger than right here at 824 Laurel Street. And when we get that and we share that with others, it's a really, really special thing. And so when we, when we, when we partake of this meal, it reminds us that, that we are not our own. It reminds us that, that we have, we've, as we're going to talk about today, we've been sealed in the Spirit. We have, that we are who are following Christ are daily dying to self 
living for Christ. And so when we come forward and grab these elements, we're saying we're reminding ourselves that, yeah, it's Jesus who is the Lord of my life. And we're saying to those around us, I'm following Christ and I'm with you who is following Christ and I need you to hold me accountable. And so when we're, when we're up and we're gathering it, this unifies us together in a common purpose. And that's the kingdom of God. And so we're going to take some time to reflect and we're going to ask a few questions of ourselves. And as we look around, we go, okay, there's, there's some little kids around here. And, and, and if, you're, if you're a guest with us today, we practice what's called open communion. So that means that you don't need to be a member of Communitas to celebrate communion with us. We just ask that you would be a repentant follower of Jesus. And if that's you, then you are welcome to come forward. And kids, you always do so good. Everyone always says, oh, how do you have the kids be silenced? Well, you know, we just don't worry about it if someone makes noise. Like, this little one is over here. Hey, Franny. It's like, Dad, you're talking all the time. I get to talk too. And so we're going to take some time to reflect on, on who is God the Father and what has He done? Who is God the Son? How did He live His life? Who is God the Holy Spirit? And how is the Holy Spirit working in and through me? And in this time, we're hoping that, that the Lord will, will convict us of sin. will show us the ways that, that we are living that are not right. We're also hoping that the Lord will confirm in us the things that we're doing well, that it would be an encouragement to us to keep going, to have endurance. And also we're hoping that in this time that the various names and faces of people that we interact with on a regular basis might come to mind and that we would be able to pray and intercede on their behalf and look for ways that we might be able to convey the gospel truth to them. And so as we're doing that, and as you're ready, you can come on forward, grab the elements that we've set out to the right and to the left and bring them back to your seat. And then I'll read some words from Scripture, and we'll all partake of the meal together. So again, as we're, as we're here, who is God the Father, and what has He done? Who is God the Son? How did He live His life? And as a result, how should I live mine? And who is God the Holy Spirit? And, and what is the Holy Spirit trying to do in and through me? That it might convict me of my sin, confirm in me what I'm doing well, that I might convey the gospel to those around me. So... Continue to pray with me. Lord, we thank You for another day to worship You. We thank You for another day to draw nearer to You, to walk with You. Jesus, we see the way that You you lived Your life as an example for us, as a sacrifice. I pray that, Holy Spirit, You would make us more and more like Jesus, more and more like the sons and daughters we've been created to be. Show us the errors of our ways. Confirm in us the ways that we're following You well, that we would continue to do so. Bring us people to whom we can convey Your truth and spread Your hope. Amen. The last time that Jesus was together with his friends, they, they shared this meal. They're all uh, members of the nation of Israel. And, and every year around this certain time, they would celebrate a meal that was in remembrance of the way that delivered them from slavery in Egypt. And, and it was a, and kind of as, as Kelly said, there are certain about you know, the song, songs that we sing, sometimes it, it helps to, to re- refresh our memories. Right, and so Jesus does more than refresh our memories in this, but he actually kind of flips the script.
and rewrites the song. And, and what meant, was meant to be a meal of remembrance where they would think back to what the Lord had done for one particular people. Jesus is now saying, no, I'm, this is going to, to help you identify and understand who you are, that you would spread this gospel around the world. This is not meant to just be for one people from this thing that happened a long time ago, but it's going to be a delivery from slavery and from sin and from evil for all people, for all time. And so he takes the bread and he breaks it and he gave it to them and he said, take and eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup. And we had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness and for this covenant. We pray that we would live like your covenant people, that we would walk in your ways, and that we would accept your grace and extend that grace to others. Amen. Okay, there are some blue bins that will uh, head around. Feel free to take your cup and pitch them in there, and we will uh, we'll recycle them for you. And today we'll be looking at Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 30 through 32. So if you have a paper Bible and want to pull that out, uh, Ephesians is a New Testament book about seven-eighths of the way through the Bible. As you're flipping through from left to right, you'll hit Galatians. Uh, you keep going a little bit further, you'll hit Ephesians. And if you, uh, if you miss that, you'll end up in Philippians. Just come back a few, few pages. Uh, if you don't have a paper Bible and want to uh, follow along on a mobile device, feel free to take that out, tap, swipe, do whatever it else, whatever else it is you need to do. Um, if none of those options are available, the words will be displayed on the screen behind us. And uh, so, Matt, whenever you are ready, Ephesians 4, verses 30 through 32. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Amen. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Lord, for your word that we're able to read it. We're able to gather and read it publicly without any fear of, of persecution. And we pray for your church around the world where that is not the case. We thank you that we have a number of different ways that uh, we can access your word, both visually and auditory. And Lord, we pray that, um, that that would be a blessing that would be extended to those around the world. We pray for those who study this, that others could read it. We pray that you would support them, help them in that endeavor, that all would know you. Amen. Okay, at this point, kids, you can head on out toward that door. <laughs> Got a couple people who are especially excited about that. Lord, we thank you for all these kids and the blessing that they are to us, the energy and the vitality that they bring, the newness uh, with which they look at life. Lord, we pray that uh, as adults that we would, we would exemplify what it is to follow you. Lord, we thank you for those who take the time to to teach your children. 
We know that we are all your children and are, are in need of instruction. And so we know that there's no, no second-class occupation in your kingdom. And so we thank you for those who, who spend their time to teach your kids. Amen. This is going to be the... This is, this is, this is rare. Okay. Um, I need those of you who are technologically savvy... Eric is going to put the verses up, and there's going to be a list of words there. And uh, yeah, so, so these words, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice. So if, if you are technologically savvy, so if you have confidence that you can take your cell phone out and, and it has the internet, and you can type in one of those words and come up with a definition without, you know, like... Angry Birds or like some YouTube ad or, or something else popping up and making a lot of I need, I need a couple, I need a volunteer. Who can look up bitterness for me? Just need one volunteer. Raise your hand if you can look up bitterness. Okay, Bailey can get bitterness. And then someone to look up wrath. James can look up wrath. And uh, anger. Okay, Tammy can do anger. And then clamor. Mac, Lou, clamor. Uh, slander. Anyone look up slander? Okay. Leanne, and then uh, malice. Can some look up malice? Rock, paper, scissors. Chris, Tom. <laughs> All right. So go ahead and look up those words, and uh, Eric will leave those up there for a moment, and we'll we'll come back to those in a little bit. Before we get too much further, though, can anyone tell me what this is? Chain wrench. There we go. Yeah. Can anyone tell me what this is? <laughs> Non-chain wrench, yeah. Pedal wrench. And, and, uh, and can anyone tell me whose these are? They're mine. How do you know that they're mine? Yeah, I got my name written on it, right? And then also, uh, because sometimes your name can come off, uh, I've, I've got all my, all my tools, all my bike tools have, have this little... Um, Electrical tape. It's not special. You can get this at Ace. And uh, so just be careful if you get this and then leave your tools at my house. I will think they're mine. But then, so I wrap that around. So there's two different ways that I know so that it's easy to identify, like, you know, which tools are mine and which tools are, are others. And, you know, and because and, when you loan tools out, uh, it's nice to be able to go, oh, yeah, this is, this is mine. Or when you're working with somebody else and, and you, it, you get to the end of the day and you go, oh, man, who's whose tools are whose, right? Like that can be a really awkward thing. But, but when, you, when you put your name on something, then, then you know. Oh, this is, this is mine and, and this is yours. And at the end of the day, everything goes back into its respective boxes and, and everything's all good, right? Like there's, there's something when boundaries and, and definitions can be really helpful. Uh, I, I heard a story about my dad uh, for he's a real estate agent, and, and uh, if you remember a few years ago, real estate was not necessarily a great profession to be in. Things were moving rather slowly, and so he went back to substitute teaching, and and he taught primarily at an alternative learning center. And of the 182 days of the school year, he taught 170 of them. He was the preferred substitute for this school, and 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 the principal said, and we're going, well, why you know why this like this guy hadn't been in a classroom in 30 years? He'd been teaching real estate. Why was he the go-to guy? And, and the principal said, well, it's, it's because he's safe. You know what the expectations are. He's firm, 
but he's fair and he's safe. And you know that if you don't bring your pencil to Mr. Gary's class, he's going to send you back to your locker to go get one. If you've forgotten your assignment, you're going to have to do it. You're going to have to come up with a plan and you're going to have responsibility. And But there was always boundaries and it was always very consistent and always very even. There weren't any surprises. And and so, you know, if, if especially... You know, if you're, if you're, or if you remember being in like junior high and high school, not exactly the most even keel time, at least not for me. Like there was a, a little bit of kind of a tumultuous nature to that period of life. But if you have someone who's consistent, that can be really helpful, right? And so consistency and safety helps protect relationships. So if you have your name on your tools, there's never any debate about, hey, those are mine, all oh, these are mine. Oh, no, someone has my name on it. That one's mine. Oh. Okay. And so when we think about Paul's letter to the Ephesians, right, where is where is Paul writing? Right? Is he is he hanging? We talked about this before. Is, is he kind of hanging in the villa looking over the Mediterranean, just enjoying, you know, his time in Ephesus, just watching the ships come in and out, all the silversmiths? No, where is he? He's in Rome. And he's locked up and he's under house arrest. And, uh, and he's relying on other people to bring him food and, and to help him out. And, uh, and yet, he operates with this, this sense of security and assurance, right? And, and why is that? Because he knows whose he is and, and what he's supposed to do. Because the Holy Spirit is dwelling within him. And I'm just imagining what it would be like to read these words from Paul, writing from from far away, and and you're you're at the church in Ephesus. You've been you know kind of walking along for about eight years now in this this new way, following the Lord. And what would it be like to hear about a a, a Holy Spirit, a, a God who who can who who you can grieve, who you can actually offend, and and who will be affected by this, who will respond. Because these are people that would have been used to having very inconsistent gods, manipulated, uh, gods who are easy to manipulate. They would have been very distant. Right, we talked about this, how you know, when, when Paul writes earlier in the letter about being able to, to, to be one, with the Spirit, to be able to walk, with to be an inheritance to come into the family, that would have been like, whoa, what? This would have been very, very different from, from their their perception of who God was. For most of the ancient Near East, yeah, you could communicate with the gods, but the gods are always very distant. They had this other thing going on. You had to do various things to appease those gods, but they're always very distant and far away. And all of a sudden, Paul is, is writing and he's saying, hey, don't, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, that, that starts to tell us, wait a minute, like, it starts to help us ask some questions about about who the Holy Spirit is and kind of what the nature of, of the Holy Spirit is. So I don't know if you're like me, I, for a long time, you know, the, the Holy Spirit was just kind of this this force, right? This thing out there. This, you know, I understood. Okay, the, the Holy Spirit empowers me and compels me and, and moves me toward Christ. But all of a sudden, wait a minute, how do you grieve a force? Can you grieve a force? Or an idea? Can you can you offend 
Can you offend capitalism? Can you offend communism? Can you offend various philosophies? Can you offend ideas? No. What, what, what can you offend? Who gets offended? What gets offended? People get offended. And so all of a sudden you have Paul writing to these people saying, hey, look, listen, this, this Holy Spirit, this isn't just some force, some distant God who you can manipulate to do your bidding. This is a personal God. This is a person who is with you, who is drawing near to you. And when you act in various ways, it grieves the Holy Spirit. And I know sometimes that's that can be tough for us when we're like, oh, like, well, but you know, isn't is, you know, like the super all powerful? Like you know, how can how can you be offended? You know, by, by, by this like isn't that doesn't that weaken us if we're if we're able to be offended like that? But I think this is more the picture of of the parent or 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 the friend. Maybe you've got a really good friend when you know you if you ever walked alongside someone and and they do something that that isn't in line with, with what's good for them and that grieves you because you know where they, where they, ought, to go, where they ought to go, what they're, what they're trying to do. And, and when they go in a different direction, that, that grieves the Holy Spirit because the, the Holy Spirit remembers back to how we were created, who we were created to be. And, and we've been living in this, in kind of a post Genesis 3 world all of our lives. We've always known various forms of brokenness, but the Holy Spirit remembers when it was good and when it was perfect, and He's saying, hey, I'm drawing you near to the day of redemption. I remember the dawn of creation when all things were good, and I'm trying to bring you to the point when all things will be good again. I'm going to go from the fall to redemption. And so, um, so he says, so let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. So I think it's kind of it's important that we, we know uh, what these words were. So who had bitterness? What does what does bitterness mean? Who had, who had bitterness? Go ahead, babe. Anger and disappointment at being treated unfairly. Anger and being treated unfairly. Okay. Yeah. Has anyone ever? Anyone ever felt that? Yeah, a little bit. Right, so, I mean, we're just going to go through the list and, and uh, we're probably all going to find ourselves having done something to cause this in someone else and someone has probably done this that has caused this within us. And this is going to help, uh, help us kind of understand our confession. And as we, we gather together in our groups throughout the next couple of weeks, this will help fuel some discussion. So, um, so who had wrath? Go ahead, James. Strong, vengeful anger or indignation. Anyone ever felt that? And this is, you don't necessarily have to do it. This is, this is internal, right? Like, I mean, this list is moving from the very inside to the very outside. So, I mean, this isn't anything where you struck somebody in anger. I mean, this is just inside, you're feeling some, some vengeance. Someone has wronged you and, oh, the fists come out, right? Okay. Who had anger? I did. Okay. A strong feeling of annoyance, 
a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. Anybody else familiar with that one, or just the just the Irish German kid in the room? Anybody else? No, yeah, that's live there. Clamor. Talked a little bit about this last week. Who had clamor, Matt? Loud and confused noise, especially that of people shouting vehemently. Does that sound like anybody else's social media feeds on Sunday? Whoa, yeah. Or, uh, yeah, news channels. Um, yeah. Slander, who had slander? Yeah. yeah, making false and damaging statements about someone. Yeah, I find myself on that list right there, too. Anybody else said something about someone instead of to someone? Yeah, that stings a little bit. Had that done against you? Yeah, that that'll that'll bring about some wrath, won't it? Yeah, yeah. And who had malice? The intention or desire to do evil. I love that like he gives you this list and you think like maybe I'll I'll get away with it, right? Like and and he's he's kind of gone from the last couple of weeks we've been doing, you know, hey, uh, you know, speak truth, be angry but don't sin, you know, talk to people, not about them and and he's like, okay, let bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander and you think maybe I can kind of weasel my way through that and I might not find my name on that list. And then he hits malice and he's like, yeah, if you've ever just like felt a little bit angry by anybody ever, you're on the list. And you're like, well, Okay, there we go. Let's level the playing field here. And so why is this, what is it about these, what is it about this list that grieves the Holy Spirit? Well, I love the way that, I can't say it any better than, than Tim O'Brien. He says, anything incompatible with the unity or purity of the church is inconsistent with the Spirit's own nature and therefore grieves Him. So when you look at this list, and, and we think about what we've been talking about for the last few weeks. You say, yeah, if, if you do those things, it's, it's going to be counterintuitive to your own healing and to the unity of the community. And those two ideas kind of feed one another. And so you're saying that anything incompatible, read that quote again from Tim O'Brien, anything incompatible with the unity or purity of the church is inconsistent with the Spirit's own nature and therefore grieves him, him being the Holy Spirit. So let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander be put away from you along with all malice. You notice I was moving from from the inside out, right? It's not, hey, don't bop your neighbor upside the head, don't do these things. It's no he starts at the very core and moves out. So Paul's addressing a people who, it used to be all about action, right? It was, hey, look, if you can just kind of do these very things, and even Paul himself was, hey, if I can act a certain way, then I'm good. And so Paul's saying, no, it isn't about what you're doing. It's not this outside-in type of transformation. The Holy Spirit is trying to bring an inside-out type of transformation. He's saying that you've been sealed and if you can remember back, we talked about how, how the gods in Ephesus, there was no seal. You know, think about a business transaction, I mean, they just ripped the contract, right? But God is a God of covenant. 
and covenants are not broken by the Lord. It's a constant. And so when Paul says to the sons and daughters of God living in Ephesus, he says, hey, look, you have been sealed. And he's reminding them that you are a new creation. That you, As the song said, you're no longer slaves. You are a child of God. Your neighbor can't come by and offer a better sacrifice. You can't forget to appease this God. You have been sealed by the Spirit. It isn't something that that you can do. It's not something that you've created. It's because Jesus lived and died and now the Spirit is offering you salvation and inviting you to join Him in participation with the bringing of the kingdom of God. Can you imagine getting that? Can you imagine being in Ephesus, spending your whole life trying to live up to a standard that you couldn't? Spending your whole life trying to appease a God who is distant, who didn't hear you, who didn't see you, who didn't care. Spending your whole life trying to, to formulate your life in such a way that, that at, at the very least the Lord just, the, you know, the gods just wouldn't, would just leave you alone. Just wouldn't bother you. Trying to, to discern and, and figure everything out and, and, and just walking in confusion. And then, and then Paul says, no, there is, a, there is a Holy Spirit who is, who is person and who has sealed you and is working in your salvation and is offering you a place of participation in the bringing of the kingdom of God. Is that good news? Saying it isn't by anything that you've done. There's nothing that you can do that's going to take forgiveness off the table. I'm going to continue to offer that to you and offer that to you and work in and through you to bring that salvation. And so what is it that we need to know? What is it that Paul would, would say to us were he writing to 824 Laurel Street? If he, were, if he were here today, what would he be saying in this letter? Would he be saying that you are a new creation. You who are in Christ have been sealed by the Holy Spirit and have been called to live and walk as sons and daughters of God. And why is it important that we, that we understand this? Because we help, help us understand that we're no longer our own, but we're the spirits. And just like there's, you know, there's, there's some safety in the ability to uphold community and understanding kind of boundaries and, and whose things are and what they're supposed to be used for, there's, there's safety and direction in the Holy Spirit. And, it, and as we get to, to the next verse here, and, it, and, and Paul says, hey, but, you know, be kind to one another. Be tender-hearted. Be forgiving. Can you, can you do that if you don't have, have Jesus within you? I know, like, there was a long time before the Lord that I, I tried that. Like, I just tried to be kind. Even try to forgive, just try to be kind. I always found myself walking back toward malice. Always back toward bitterness. Because there's a woundedness in my heart 
before the Lord that that wouldn't go away and wasn't going to change without his help. And so it's only by the Spirit's work in our life that we're able to be kind, that we're able to be tender-hearted, that we're able to be forgiving, that we're able to have unity, that we're able to display the manifold wisdom of God. And, and why? Because it says God in Christ has forgiven you. And so if you're in here today and, and you're saying, I'm, I, I'm walking with the Lord or I want to walk with the Lord, and it isn't any magical prayer, it isn't any certain action, it's because God in Christ forgave you. That is why. And so what happens if we don't understand this? What happens if we don't get that we're a new creation? What happens if we don't understand that we're no longer our own, but that we're, we're the spirits? Well, we're just going to keep walking in the first part of that list. We're going to live like the, like the world does. We're going to have problems like the rest of the world. And we're going to forgive like the world does in super fickle ways. And we're only going to be kind to those who are kind to us or from whom we want to get something. And we're only going to forgive when it's convenient and when we feel like it. And if you've ever wrestled with bitterness or anger or malice or slander, you've been a victim of or found yourself caught up in clamor, or is, is forgiveness, like, is that going to just be the next logical progression there? No, and so what happens when you don't, when you're not kind, and when you don't, you're not tender-hearted toward one another, and you don't forgive? You just walk around with a bunch of junk and bondage and brokenness, and it's heavy. And Jesus is saying, "No, come to me. I didn't create you to walk that way. I created you to to walk in grace, to be sons and daughters." God isn't distant. God isn't one to be manipulated. But if we don't walk with the Spirit, we're going to perceive God that way. And eventually that will play out in our relationships with other people. And those who offend us will always put distant and will always try to manipulate. And, and so what do we do? How do we solve this brokenness? What's, what's the remedy here? And I mean, Paul shows us, right? He says, hey, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And it reminds us that we've been sealed for the day of redemption. And so we look forward to that day of redemption. And then, and Paul says, yeah, and look, we're gonna, he starts on the inside and just starts working his way out. And we're going to see this in the coming weeks, and we're going to get some more of the specific outward ways that we do this. And so how are we going to solve this? Is Well, you've got to repent. You've got to come to the Lord. You've got to accept His salvation and then participate in it. What do we always say? The Lord has shown great when the broken people participate. This so be kind and be tender-hearted and forgiving those who have offended you. And so, as we we get that first list back up there, I mean, where do you find yourself on that list? Where where is the Lord? You know, has, has the Lord brought you out of some of that? There may be some of you who have just, you know, maybe maybe bitterness 
over something that happened in your life. Maybe, maybe clamor. Maybe you were one of the loud voices that joined in a group that just, you know, barked at somebody or about something. Maybe you've been one who is slandered, who has talked to people and not about them. Gossiped as opposed to confronted. Maybe those things have been done against you and, and, and you've got some anger about that. Or maybe feeling wrathful. Where, you know, so where do you, where do you feel, where do you find yourself there? And how have, how have we moved from that? You know, for a long time, wrath was a part of my story. And I talked to a friend of mine, and he was also a very angry person. He said the moment he came to the Lord, he said he was just no longer angry. He just fell away. And I remember thinking, I wish that happened to me. It was a longer process. And if I'm not careful, I can very easily slip back into that if I don't continually and daily walk in grace. When I try to do it on my own power, no good. But remember that I'm a sealed son of God. And I've got a chance. So where do you where do you find yourself on that? Where where how are you struggling with that? And then what does it, what does it look like to to submit that to the Lord? How do you how do you come closer to Christ in that? How is the Lord speaking to you? How are you allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your life to empower you? And the psalmist says that we are to incline our heart, tune our ears to the ways of the Lord. How are we participating in our salvation? I think as, as evangelicals, it can be kind of tempting to, okay, we got salvation, worked on a couple of outward sins, things that people can see, things that are acceptable to talk about, and then, and then we're just going to kind of kind of leave these these smaller things over there in the corner. It's kind of like when you move. It's always easy to get the bookshelf out, the books, you know, the TV, the stereo, the CDs. But it's always those little things in the corner, and you just go ah, like you just want to just throw them all away. And Lord is saying, no, we're just going to go through those individually, one at a time. And we're going to pack them up, and we're going to put them away forever. And so, what is it going to look like for us to? For some of us, it's going to look like salvation for the first time. For some of us, it's going to look like participation for a while. But what is that going to look like for you today? And for those of us who are going to gather together throughout the week, how is that going to inform our time of confession? How is this going to help us draw closer to one another in unity, being honest about who we are and what the Lord is doing in our life? And so when we hear God's voice, we always remember, we remind, and we rejoice. And so let us remember that we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And we are sealed sons and daughters of God. And let's remind ourselves and others that it's, it's an inside-out change. And there's also direction that comes with it. And let us rejoice that we have a Holy Spirit who is a person who not only grieves but, and also seals, but also rejoices and empowers and is with us. So I'll pray for us and, and we will sing. Lord, we thank you.
that you grieve. That you grieve our sin. It shows that you care. And that you're involved. And that you're active. That you're not distant. And so Lord, we pray that, that we would be that. That we too would, would take part in our salvation as you've called us to. That we would participate in what you've done. That we would not remain distant from you, but that we would, we would seek to draw close. We who are in Christ have been called to serve a God who informs us about whose we are and what we're to do, that we're, we're sons and daughters of the creator of all that is seen and unseen. And so we've been called to put away all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, slander and malice. To be kind, to be tender-hearted, to forgive one another. Why? Because Christ has forgiven us. So as you go out this week, may this not be the apex of your week. May this inform who you are and, and how we're to live our lives. May you continue to spread the good news of the gospel, being kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving those around you throughout your week.